Welcome back to School of Calisthenics Playground Session. We just had a conversation with Tom Merrick from... The Bodyweight Warrior. And if you want to know why he's called a Bodyweight Warrior, well, he tells you exactly why in the podcast. This is a really great one because it's one of the opportunities that we've got to speak to somebody else in calisthenics and bodyweight training. So we actually really get into some of the detail of training reps and sets and intensities and progressions. Mm. This is a real practical takeaway for you guys. Um, so I hope you get some value from it. Yeah, Tom himself is self-taught, which is always something I always get excited about. You know, similar that, you know, no gymnastics background um, has taught himself and... Um, he's also six, over six foot tall. Yes, and he's a massive dude. So if you think you're massive, um, I think he said he was six foot three or four. I so, yeah. Six foot four. So if you think you're tall and that means you can't do a human flag or a lever, uh, then he unfortunately is going to uh, redefine your impossible for you. So I hope you enjoy the podcast. Um, enjoy. <laughs> So welcome, Tom, to the podcast, a.k.a. Uh, the Bodyweight Warrior. Um, just give us a bit, for, for those um, people that maybe haven't come across you yet on either, you know, you're big on YouTube and, and on, on, uh, on Instagram, but anyone that hasn't yet come across you, um, what is the Bodyweight Warrior or a Bodyweight Warrior? And just a little bit of background as to where, where you've come from in your own sort of bodyweight journey. Firstly, thanks for having me. Um, it was a pleasure. I've been following you guys as well. I love the name School of Calisthenics. I think it's awesome. And I think what you guys are putting out is really cool as well. So thanks for having me on the podcast, first Cheers, of all. Uh, yeah, I've been, I've been training in general for like five or six years. Um, I got into bodyweight training when I basically I got glandular fever. I was into powerlifting at the time. I couldn't lift weights because I was so weak afterwards. So I ended up getting into bodyweight training. And this was sort of three, four years ago. Maybe, maybe like four. Yeah, four years ago, four and a bit years ago. And then from there, it kind of spiraled out of control. And I've dabbled in gymnastics and tumbling. I'm dabbling a lot and quite heavily in hand balancing, handstand work at the moment. Um, but it's just generally like exploring this sort of movement um, in bodyweight training, um, whether it's through like your traditional calisthenics, like muscle-ups, um, pull-ups, dips, push-ups, all that kind of like more strength-based stuff to more of the like, yeah, the balancing, the the more skillful, the meditative handstand work and then obviously uh if anyone's seen me on youtube like a big proponent of my training is mobility or flexibility work and that started off with getting into yoga and, and getting into that sort of thing and then it's kind of again spiraled out of control. i think maybe it's a little bit of a theme just end up getting really stuck into things and yeah so i do a lot of flexibility a lot of building range of motion that's really the foundation of anything you're going to be doing in terms of the word bodyweight warriors because sometimes i get like a little bit of a um it's a People either like it or people either hate it, and I don't like. I think the people oh, who right. hate it maybe don't understand the meaning behind it. Um, it's actually based on this book right, right in front of me called "The King, Magician, Warrior, Lover," and this is a, a Jungian philosophy book, um, which is it's based about archetypes of masculine energy, so like Yang energy, and all the the King, the Magician, Warrior, Lover. They represent different aspects of a personality. Uh, and the warrior energy is about getting shit done. It's about doing things for the right reasons. It's about being skillful. It's about understanding, taking the time and the process. So that kind of that's that book changed my attitude on a lot of things. And that warrior energy was for me what the for somebody who wants to be successful with training, they need to have a lot of warrior energy to do well. So that was kind of the bodyweight warrior thing, bodyweight training, and the warrior sort of masculine energy. Cool. Um, just set the scene for people if they um, if they've seen you do like when you talked you touched on then about flexibility, mobility, and going, mm -hmm. uh, but also mentioned that you'd done powerlifting beforehand. 
Um, when you started, so if it was four and a bit years ago that you started going down away from powerlifting and weightlifting mm-hmm. um, down this track, what was your, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a guess that you couldn't do a pancake at, at that point. Like, oh what, my god, it's horrific. Yeah. So what did you? How did you? What was your body like? Like, I'm also interested. Like, were you bigger and bulkier then? And what? So what? What were you like when you were finished just before you got glandular fever? Um, what? What were you? What was training like? What was your flexibility like? Um, what was it, what were your what was your sort of starting point? Uh, so I was I was mainly kind of big into powerlifting. I did a little bit Olympic, Olympic lifting as well. Like you need more flexibility to do Olympic lifting, so I wasn't quite as good as that. Um, I had sort of like two hundred kg deadlift. I was sat at like ninety five kg body weight. Currently, I'm like eighty eight, so okay. um, a little bit lighter now. Six four, so one hundred ninety one centimeters. Yeah. So I'm quite Look. tall, which makes the body weight thing yeah, interesting. But but, so but, but not impossible because we get a lot of that. Like, oh, I'm too tall. I'm, I'm six four, whatever. Like me, me, me and Tim are both about five ten ish. Um, so we're not particularly tall, um, but we're not super short. But that some people, you know, when they're over six three, six four, that they, they say, oh, well, I can't, I couldn't do a mm-hmm. handstand. Yeah. I'm so tall yeah, and you get put off by it already. Like yeah. just as a, as a starting. Point. Yeah, before even starting. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's a fair point. It's a fair point. Um, I've definitely struggled with it. Like it's just, I've seen people and I've coached people who have got stuff a lot quicker than I have, just yeah. simply because they got better body mechanics for it. Um, but it implies the same, like I was really strong at deadlifting because I had long lanky arms, yeah. um, but I was bad at squatting because I had like long femur heads. Yeah. So um, like it, it applies to everything. It's not just body weight training. Yeah. Um, but yeah, when I had glands of you, I, I dropped like 10 kilos in the space of a few weeks. So I was super weak, super light. Um, and in terms of flexibility wise, I literally did no flexibility training at all. I couldn't even touch my toes at that point. Yeah. Um, so I, I was definitely not predisposed to being flexible, which some people are. And yeah, I, I basically was like, this doesn't seem right. I should be able to touch my toes. Like I'm 18. This doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So I basically just ended up stretching every day and then I kind of developed a little bit more from that. But, um, yeah, I was, I was definitely pretty piss poor when it comes to flexibility. Yeah. So talk to us a bit time about the, the techniques that you use to improve range of movement. Cause it's a question that we get asked quite a lot by people. Um, and we kind of talk about, we actually answered a question on one of our Q and A's recently. People are like, Oh, how can I, how can I improve mobility? And when we look at the research, there's so many different methods that we can use. You'll see different um, or athletes and, and practitioners from different forms of movement and training using different techniques. So gymnastics will do a lot of static stretching. You go down a, a more movement-based route, um, and we've seen a lot of flow kind of patterns, more like what, what traditionally in strength and conditioning we would just call like dynamic movement, working mm-hmm. through range of movement, having a strength component to it. And then if you want to go to the physio world, we'll talk about PNF stretching and, and these other kind of different forms. Like, what's I mean, your take on how massage? Yeah, that as yeah. Well. No, that's before we even talk foam rolling and, and release work. What's your sort of take <laughs> on on all that that complexity and, and how you kind of navigate through it to have made like what is some really impressive changes in your range of movement? And the, I'm guessing that there's probably going to be some techniques that you use, but then also some stuff around just applying those on a regular or consistent basis, or how you build that into your training program. Sure. I mean, uh, in terms of the research, it's a little bit, it's annoying because the research isn't particularly well done, especially in adults. And what we're talking about here is adult population. I didn't start stretching or flexibility. I didn't do gymnastics until I was like 18. So when you're dealing with... young pup. I started at about 34. Yeah. I think we started now. Yeah. But I mean, like even, you know, that adult population, it makes a huge difference when you're a kid and you've got so much more elasticity, you can kind of just push kids into positions a lot of the time. Um, so it, it changes the game a lot in terms of techniques. Like I've I've been through literally all of them, mostly out of lack of awareness. Initially, I was like, oh, I'm tight. I'll just stretch every day, and that's kind of what I did to begin with. 
I did that literally for a year and just stuck to it. And yeah, I saw some progress and that's just because if you're consistent with things, you'll see progress regardless of the technique. Like some will be faster than others for sure. If you stay consistent with something, you're going to improve range of motion. Um, for me personally, I favor, I mean, I guess really the ultimate question is why do you want the range of motion? Because if you're not using it, it makes it a hell of a lot harder to keep it. Yeah. Um, so for example, gymnasts actually don't have to do very much. You touched on the fact they do a lot of static flexibility work. That's because they have to show like static expressions mm. of flexibility. They have to hold a split in a floor routine and various reasons. But they actually train their flexibility all the time dynamically because they're doing tumbling, they're doing flips. They're doing all these positions which is going to challenge their range of motion. So they're developing it throughout their training as just part of it because yeah. they're doing mobility work just generally. So they don't really have to work that hard on flexibility a lot of the time. I think they, the thing, uh, just to touch on that, so I think it's, yeah, it's a great point, but in the combination of those two things, there's a static flexibility component, but then training it or working range of movement or mobility flexibility through training is adding the strength component, which is then going to be an important part of maintaining that range. So it's actually, mm-hmm. from that side, I think quite a holistic approach in terms of you have the, you can create the range of movement through a static position, but then you're also doing it with the strengthening side of things to be able to maintain it. Yeah. So like mm-hmm. we take like a compression, a hip compression type stuff, like we'll touch on your pancake and um, mm-hmm. uh, pie, uh, sorry, uh, press the handstand kind of work. That having the flexibility to do hamstrings is part of it, but also having the strength in the hip flexors to be able to kind of counterbalance and counteract either side of the joint to create balance and, and um, yeah, symmetry front to back is probably a big part. Yeah, definitely. I mean, this is where you, you know, talking about piano. So I mean, there's loads of different techniques, but ultimately, like if you've got a guy who stood at a desk or sat at a desk all day and he wants to get a flat pancake, he's going to have to work a lot harder and he's going to have to introduce things into his daily sort of life and training that means that he needs to use that range of motion otherwise you're working a very uphill battle to develop it yeah so if you're doing marmestein touched on that moment when he came on the podcast about um he was talking about different like yes doing specific work on his flexibility but he one of the things he just encourages people to do the most is just like move more just generally throughout your entire day um yeah, I seen a friend of um, a friend of mine. Put uh, Ollie Frost put something up recently on his Instagram where he was going away from doing like hourly sessions for his training, and he was like, "I'm just going to start moving more from the minute I wake up to the minute I go to bed, and just move more and better throughout the day." Um, which is which? I'm just I'm just hearing more of these types of messages a lot more. The more the more people you sort of speak to, um, and then also like you were saying about and, and touched on there with Tim's about having strength and stability at ends of ranges. Like you were saying, otherwise you just that 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 flexibility like it's just going to go away um, if yeah. you're not using it. Or, and like you say, why do you actually want to have it in the first place? Yeah. So I mean, if we if we're working on press to handstand, I don't do any any pancake work pretty much. I haven't. I works really hard to get it, and then once I get it, I still use it quite a lot in the sense I do pressed handstand, I do other stretching things. I don't actually have to train the pancake. I could mm. do one warm-up set, and I'd be flat again. And that's because I'm using that range of motion. Um, and it's the same with gymnasts. That's why they don't have to use, do much flexibility. So, yeah, introducing little bits and snippets throughout your day is a really simple way to do it. If you're training handstands, it's going to help develop overhead mobility. Like, And then, you know, in terms of your strength training, you can think like, okay, I haven't got much time. Say I want to develop the pancake. Why don't I do Cossack squats as my weight training for my legs? It's going to build strength. It's going to build range of motion. It's going to stretch the hamstring. It's going to hit like all of those 
key points and just one exercise. Yeah. So there's a lot of ways you can be clever about it um, and, and don't have to feel like you have to spend like an hour training strength and an hour training flexibility. Yeah. Over. Yeah. It adds time up yeah. Time saving time for people is massive, eh? Exactly. In this day exactly. And age. Yeah, definitely. Cool. Yeah, we've talked about that a lot with um, with athletes. <clears throat> when we're writing programs, we're, we're kind of trying to put down to programs um, exercises, which means we can do the, the the most amount of training in the least amount of time, and that affects. That's what you're saying about just actually, well, how can we put more ticks in boxes? So yeah. I do one exercise instead of four, and yeah. we get them out of the gym because if we do that, it increases recovery. Um, for an athlete who's full time, that's that's really important. But for us as as sort of non athletes, people have got jobs, got families, they've got friends, they've got businesses to run, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Those things still apply. It's still being efficient with your training. Mm-hmm. And yes, there's times when we when we've got like, do you know what? I've got a couple of hours and I haven't got <laughs> anything to do, and I'm just going to play, and I'm just going to do whatever I want to do. But the most yeah. of the time, I think for most people, we're having to try and fit training in. Mm-hmm. because we're yeah. busy and I wish it wasn't like that but that's the reality for what I think most people are like you want to train but it's also got to fit in around a load of other stuff so is there any, yeah. any sort of like hacks that you use in terms of um, fitting training into a busy lifestyle into a busy lifestyle um, yeah I mean I, I completely agree like you got to fit it in where you can I quite like the idea of fitting things in throughout the day I think there's really no excuse um, I've got a, a mobility room like a five minute mobility morning routine that's really popular on YouTube and that's like just an example of how easily it can be added in. Like who hasn't got five minutes in the morning? Yeah. Yeah. And, and then as I said earlier, like consistency, if you just do that every single day, like you're not doing anything else, you'll, you'll, you'll get better with whatever range of motion it is you're developing. Um, things like having, I have a door frame pull up bar, like on the door to this room. So every time I go underneath it, I'll just hang for like 20 seconds. Yeah. I've heard you know? about, I used to play rugby with some guys that would do that. They live together. And they had a pull-up bar, and the rule was whenever you walked underneath the pull-up bar, you had to do tensions. That was it. That was the rule. Yeah. I tell you what, you'll get a pretty strong-ass pull-up and, and not much time <laughs> doing that. So, yeah, like, introducing that sort of thing. Um, understanding the concept of free gains, which is uh, if you build strength in, like, similar movements, you're, you're going to get strength transferred over. So, say, for example, you're short on time um, and... I mean, the hands are a little bit, the hands are needs a lot of time, but like other strength moves, you know, if you do push ups, you're going to get stronger at dips. If you do dips, you're going to get stronger at push ups. Like if there is transfer over in strength, same with hands and push ups. The same with like, you know, doing rows, you're going to get stronger at pull ups. So doing those sort of things, like understanding that people have this idea that like, oh, I need to get front lever planche, one arm chin up, hands and push up. I need to do all these things in one session. It's like, no, you could focus on two, do two really well. And that will progress really well, and you'll find out that you'll also progress really well in the others without training it. Yeah, that's and so true. You have skill, it's easier to attain it, and then you can focus on the other things. Yeah, there's sometimes when I find that I've sort of been working something specific, and I just left it alone for a while for whatever reason. Maybe partly it's probably just a, a gap in training because mm-hmm. we've been traveling or we've been busy or whatever, and you come back and you, you've been doing some other work, and all of a sudden that thing that you've been batting away from for, for a while actually all of a sudden just feels pretty good, and it could be that it's just fresh and you've given yourself some recovery. Yeah, yeah. I definitely agree that there's, um, especially in calisthenics and bodyweight training, sort of just giving yourself the freedom to kind of use different expressions of movements, like you say. So yeah, we have pull-ups and chin-ups, um, but there's so much other stuff around that vertical pulling that we can do, whether it's rock climbers, tight riders, um, these different variations that are still vertical pulling, but you're just challenging mm-hmm. the body, putting the, the shoulder in different positions, um, and that total carryover, and that, that actually being a really important part of building a stronger base, which you can mm-hmm. then start to apply with different things. Um, and for me, I think there's some longevity in that, in terms of just our current thought process. Yeah, I mean, Charles Pollock. Sorry, yeah, go, yeah, go. 
Oh, Charles Polican, as I say, in this, you know, if you're in the gym longer an hour, you're making friends. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that's such a good point. Like, I know we're talking about like people trying to squeeze in time, but then there's also on the other end of the spectrum people who like to go in and do like a two or three hour session and wonder why they're not seeing the yeah. progress they want to see. Like, you can't smash your body that hard, screw with your cortisol testosterone ratio, and then expect to be like great again afterwards mm-hmm. like actually limiting intense strength training to an hour will give you the better results yeah if you get, so, it, get it done yeah exactly and just being focused in your session yeah. it's a little bit different with like skills and hand balancing and other things but general strength training is pretty straightforward to well, you might not have any friends I was going to say the other lesson of that is if you ever see Charles Pollock in the gym don't go and talk to him because he don't want to know he's busy he don't want to make friends got enough <laughs> Cool. So what, what are you working on at the moment then? So where are you at with your training? Um, what have been some of the big successes and things you've really had to work hard for over the years that have been... So I think a lot of people we talk about and we have it in our own trainings, you can find yourself in a bit of a dead end sometimes and you're like, this just isn't going anywhere. Um, so any tips you've got for kind of well, things that have, you've had to work on that have been difficult, how you blast through plateaus and, and where you're at now with your training, what are you focused on? Um, I mean the, the don't the don't uh, the plateau question. I would just to say to stop training it, go do something else, and come yeah. back to it. As we just mentioned earlier, like literally, uh, it will make night and day difference. Uh, definitely, you can end up getting stuck in a rut. Focus on something else, similar patterns. That tends to work. Personally, at the moment, um, as I said about being focused on your goals, I'm I'm very focused at the moment. I have literally one goal, which is one arm handstand. So, um, a good. Up until recently, actually, I had a little bit. Of, I've injured my shoulder slightly just from. Uh, you know, doesn't like being stood on one arm for a, for a, for a lot of time. It's surprising, uh, that. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, seventy five percent of my training was literally handstand work for for a good portion of time, and then apart from that, just doing basic moves. Um, you know, I've I've had over the years, like it's kind of gone up and down, and here and there, I focus on different things at different times. Um, I focus pretty heavily on like planche and, and front lever for a long time, and. Uh, the planche to, to very much no no sort of success for a bit. The front lever was a little bit better because I'm a stronger sort of pulling athlete. So I managed. I mean, so anyone who is tall out there, I'm six four, hundred ninety one centimeters, ninety kilos. It took me three years to get a front lever, full front lever for about mm-hmm. five six seconds. So it is possible. It just takes time. Like mm-hmm. some people will achieve that in six months. Um, the planche, on the other hand, I haven't had so much success. So sorry, you. No, to... no, it's right. I want Jacko to ask you about your tips around that front lever, like what you learned as part of that, because we we're also sort of fairly well embedded in a, in a long front lever journey. So what what were this sort of like? Uh, people kind of we, we've sometimes well, the, the realism that actually for people that you just like that th- that 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 can be three yeah. years. We talk about um, handstand being a long time, but front lever actually has been a harder win for me, definitely than than the handstand. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, it depends on how far you take hand, hand balancing. Like hand oh, balancing, yeah. there's a Russian saying that's like ten years and it becomes a holiday. <laughs> so <laughs> that's kind of where you'd be at. I do the uh, holiday. Mm. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I think it's hard to say. People always say that's like, how long will it take me? And um, yeah. it it's like how long is a piece of string? Like it yeah. depends on you. Uh, how much time you're willing to commit, how how good you are, how athletic. At the end of the day, like as a talent um, thing as well to us. But yeah, I think ultimately you just got to like I wasn't. I wanted to get full front lever. That's why I was training it. But like yeah. ultimately, I was just enjoying my training in general. Yeah. So it makes it a hell of a lot. E- like I don't worry about the fact it took me three years because I was enjoying that three years of training. It wasn't necessarily like I've I've got full front lever now. I still train front lever. Yeah. Like it's, it's not like I've, I've done it and it's ticked mm-hmm. off and it's done. I can get on to something else. It's like 
I enjoy doing that movement. I enjoy doing that training. Uh, in terms of things that help me a lot, um, I guess is the concept of isometrics versus dynamic movements for straight arm skills. So you see a lot of people do like static front lever holds or static blanche holds. And the issue of isometric work is that it only builds strength within 30 degrees of that position. So yeah. 30 degrees up and down. You do a dynamic movement, so full range of motion, you're going to build strength for a full range of that strength curve. And the gains you get from that is so much more and transfers over into other stuff than just doing static work. Mm. Static work kind of, it has its place, but it also has its limitations. So, so do you recommend using a balance of those two things in your training? You sort of have some static work, but you're also using dynamics, or do you tend to sort of sort of favor one or stack the deck one side over the other? I tend to just stick to dynamic work, in all honesty. Um, isometric work is useful for teaching people how to use a pattern. Like obviously, when you're doing isometric, it makes it much easier to maximize that recruitment. Yeah. But once you understand what you're doing, dynamic work will give you the best results. Yeah, Great. generally speaking. And it also, like when we came back earlier to body weights, the same as strength and conditioning work in terms of just mechanical load and overloading the muscle. You can't overload isometrics in the same way that you can overload dynamic movements. Mm. We found that the, the, the isometrics as well—they take a hell of a toll on the body. Like they're pretty um, the, because of the tension of some of the positions, <clears throat> they can you can find that actually the recovery from those can be can be pretty brutal. It's set yeah, fairly long. sort of like high neural yeah. demand in huge, sometimes huge. difficult positions. Um, and if you're overloading those a lot, it's quite easy to pick up a, a bit of an overuse injury or a bit of a um, a bit of a niggle, particularly shoulders, elbows. We found. <laughs> I mean, one of the, one of the key things to building strength is the eccentric movement, yeah. the, the negative movement. And if you're doing isometrics, you're losing out on that. Mm. So yeah. just adding dynamics simply for that reason is, is huge. Yeah, you mentioned there also about like um, it, you. I think you said about with your front lever that your sort of your pulling background, or uh, we also we often talk about um, like depending on what your training background's been like. Obviously, that shapes you as a shapes your body. It shapes you as an athlete, um, and depending on what that's like you're gonna find you're gonna find certain things in body weight and calisthenics easier or harder to sort of pick up with um and w within that there's also like injuries so i don't know if you know much about our background from rugby you tend to pick up a lot of shoulder injuries um, and we've <laughs> done that for, for a long time and i guess um cracky we used to when you were 18 like starting like i when i was 18 i'd never been injured i'd never had one injury oh, really? yeah um just, but yeah have you got any what was just in terms of that background go you, you sort of talked about strong at pulling like what was, was that just from your powerlifting background and then did you have any like any sort of injuries coming into it when you come into this um i swam a lot as a kid like i was okay. a good swimmer um i stopped because i just hated swimming at 5am in the morning for stuff but yeah I've, I've always been i've always been a good swimmer um and i was quite competitive when i was younger so i think that had a big thing to play in it yeah um and I, I surfed as well and i guess i think powerlifting deadlifts and that sort of thing probably could have some sort of relationship with, yeah. with having a stronger pull i don't i've always found that i've tended to be stronger at pulling movements than pushing movements i don't know whether it's a biomechanics thing like at levers yeah it's more advantageous for that i've done if i've just got a bit of a baby chess uh, 
but I, I think there's something in that though because we're a, bit, a little bit different my general strength is in pushing so I've my handstand stuff has developed faster than than Jacko's but, yeah. but pulling is a real struggle for me like it's mm-hmm. it's better but it's not something which comes easy I can get handstand and hand balancing games and gains and pushing gains quite quickly I can develop quite a lot of strength quite quickly especially like deep handstand push-ups and that sort of thing but my pulling work I have to work hard for that it's not mm. it doesn't come easy I don't know if it's because I'd, I'd for whatever reason like you say or I started with a deficit and I'm now trying to have to recover that just from yeah. the type of training or, or whatever my body's like but again building on the top of two shoulder problems um, or two shoulder surgeries that again the, the posterior shoulder and, and everything that goes with it from a pulling mechanic has, has had its fair amount of trauma over the years I don't know but it's just interesting to say that and I think that the thing for me from that is just just recognising a bit about we are all going to have some of our individual like strengths and limitations and, and yeah. things that we, we need to work harder at and um, I think it's quite easy to look at other people around in calisthenics and just see perfect symmetry and balance and, and everything looks easy and like you said before there's a talent component within that um, we're not all I just made think- the same I think as well, like symmetry is, is rubbish. Like nobody is symmetrical. I think there's a there's oh, yeah. a strange obsession with with symmetry and especially like sports conditioning and like actually a lot of adaptations that we make is favorable for whatever training we've been doing. Sometimes it's wrong. Sometimes it does need to be addressed. But like you know, if you're a stronger pulling athlete, um, it might not mean that there's a strength imbalance. It's just you are naturally set up better in that way. And that's yeah. not, so it's not like don't, don't not train push uh, pull because you're trying to build up your push or not train pull because you're yeah. trying to. You know, exactly, like just embrace what whatever you've been given yeah. and run. We think a lot about symmetry in terms of it being a particular red flag for injury. So if we've got asymmetry from front to back, left to right, we know we're going to potentially have some issues. So it's around, I think around that is an important consideration of keeping them both in, but yeah. then progressively sort of structuring your program in a way which is leading towards what you're working towards, but still considering all the other stuff which kind of yeah. just needs, you need just to keep you healthy. There's no, like I say, you want to work on your plans, you can't ignore horizontal pulling entirely because the shoulder's just going to get absolutely rifled. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And if you, I mean, there's that, a difference that, between if you're like strong pulling but weak pushing, but actually when you push, you get a bit of shoulder pain, then there's, you've got yeah, some asymmetry and then you've yeah. got, there's actually that, there's different, yeah. you know, like, oh no, fit my range motion's great and if it feels great, I'm just a bit weaker there, I've got no pain. There's mm. a, that's a different, um, so I mean, there's fish, yeah. balance in terms of like, both sides of the joint, but I was, um, but I guess like I'm in balance from like left to right sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was, um, but yeah, like, yeah, making sure you can, almost you cannot have an, enough shoulder retraction work, like pulling work, generally <laughs> yeah. speaking. Yeah, I know. Like if, prescri- if you were to make a safe bet, yeah, I'm yeah. prescribe double the amount of pulling for pushing for most people yeah. that we come in off the street and go. It's different if you've been in training for a while, but most people have got. I and mean, because of the postural positions we find ourselves in, computers, phones, driving, all that stuff, it, it throws us into that anterior dominance. Um, so most people just need to do more horizontal pulling. And I think that's an interesting point as well, just on the conversation around um, the differentiation between those two things. And, and sometimes people go, "Well, I need to do more pulling work, so I'm going to do." I'm going to do pull-ups. Um, you go, okay, that's fine, but that's actually just going to increase the anterior um, or protraction of the shoulder and, and anterior musculature, which is going to internally rotate the glenohumeral joint or the shoulder. It's a horizontal pulling where there's so much value, like you say, that retraction position. Um, have you got any sort of, what do you use for your horizontal kind of pulling or, or, or any sort of, do you, do you stick it around sort of bodyweight row type work or how do you overload and progress it? Because once you've done a bit of like horizontal pulling in a bodyweight row or ring row position, Sometimes you're looking for ways to start to overload that a little bit more. So for me personally, horizontal pull tends to be front lever work. And that's just kind of where that stays. So that's front lever rows or front lever pulls or anything like that. That's kind of where it seems to stay. I mean, 
even even adding a weighted vest or doing some bodyweight rows is, is an awesome progression. Um, if you have rings, you can make things a hell of a lot harder simply with hand placement. Yeah. Um, trying to do Bulgarian ring rows, like they're not easy at all. Um, and then tempo as well. Tempo is huge. Like if you're doing like a, um, you know, explosive concentric, like a four second negative, like people will struggle to get like ten reps of that, regardless of how yeah. strong they are, just simply because of time under tension. So yeah. And killing Sorry. it the, if you kill at the top as well, and actually when you talk about retraction, yeah. killing that at the top and going like being it's hard. Like I find it so hard to be strict on yourself with like your eccentric tempos when you haven't like if you're coaching someone, you like drill them, you like did it, yeah. but when it's yourself, yeah. you're like three, two, one. There yeah. you go. That was three seconds. Get your timer out. You're like, nope, that was two point five seconds. Yeah, exactly. Three seconds. Sorry. Yeah. Now tempo is hugely important. I think it's probably the most underrated variable. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Yeah, we sometimes uh, get people going. Oh, what does what does that three two one mean on that? You know, some people just literally never come across tempos. Yeah, I'm um, in the training if they if they're just yeah. starting out. And I, I look at like <clears throat> sometimes you, I want to look around different forms of health, fitness, sports, performance training, whatever, and and pull the information from the guys that do it best. And I actually think the guys that do tempo better than anybody else's bodybuilders. They understand the need to control contraction yeah. and create time on attention. It's so easy in calisthenics because it's hard like when you're coming down from a pull-up or we recorded some content yesterday and we, we included a, a ring reverse fly, when gravity is sort of going to assist you back to starting position just to let this tension go and almost you, you're falling under control but you're not actually actively working through 50% of the movement. Yeah, I mean, that's just like the principle. The, the eccentric, the negative, that's one of the most important components of building strength. Mm, yeah. If you're not making the most of that, then you're losing out on gains. Yeah, yeah. So with, like, your, with your eccentric work, let's take a pull-up, for example. Do you tend to play around with your tempos and sometimes doing four-second eccentric or lowering phases, sometimes a two-second? How do you kind of split that up and mix it into some different variety in your training? I'm, uh, well, I, I guess it's hugely, hugely fair. I've literally just got a... Uh, my clients my students recently she's doing 20 second negatives for, yes. for chin-ups so i mean there's, there's a Wait, huge you, right that's the worst <laughs> advert you could have given yourself <laughs> people are like oh 20 seconds yeah but she's strong as a flipping ox <laughs> yeah yeah but she's nails yeah. <laughs> she is. yeah so um yeah i mean personally speaking it really varies depending on what the goal is but um you know if you're going through periods of volume high reps and then periods of generally speaking high reps you won't do such slow tempos yeah yeah you know you're not necessarily you're looking for the reps you're not necessarily looking for that overload in that eccentric but with strength work i find like if we're talking one to five rep range having like a four five second negative is like night and day difference in terms of the strength gains you're going to make um if that's pull-ups especially like weighted pull-ups if you do add a four five second negative on that like the, the strength gains will be so much so much bigger than if you're just doing a couple of seconds and people realizing that you're going to go from being able to do maybe 10 reps of an uncontrolled tempo to literally being gassed after four or five with that kind of work because you're just not conditioned for it mm-hmm. yeah i know it, it just makes life so much more challenging so much more challenging like and also i think there's a little bit of an ego component to that because if you say to somebody do five reps and then they can do five reps of like 20 kilos in a pull-up. And then you're like, do five reps of a five-second negative. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah. I, can't, I can't actually do any weight. Do <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's a, really, that's a great point, actually, about people looking to overload and, and create more adaptation in their, in their training to get stronger. Actually, like, it's quite easy for us to go, right, I can do 10. I'm going to add a vest on. Yeah, that's, that is a option. But also an option would be to just take your body weight and just move it in a slightly different way. Change the tempo. Give yourself a different stimulus by oh, just yeah. changing that yeah. rather than thinking I need a 20-kilo vest. Yeah, yeah. 
change tempo, change grip, and like you have a different workout completely, different response. Yeah. Um, so for a lot of we've a lot of our audience would probably classify themselves as like beginners. Um, mm-hmm. We all sort of, I imagine there's so many things I would probably do differently if I was to start again. Um, oh but my God. for the, those of us that want, those of us that are in the, the sort of the coaching and the teaching game, we, I always say to people, it's really frustrating, your own journey. Like you mentioned already before, you, you can teach someone faster than you learn. And that can be uh, internally frustrating for us because you're like, oh, sometimes you just want it to be easy. But by it being a struggle, by making lots of mistakes is actually how we learn best and how we learn what mistakes other people are going to make. And mm-hmm. then they get to learn from that. And I think that's that's like such a, a valuable part of being a coach and trying to help other people. And I know that's a, a big part of what you're doing. Mm-hmm. What would you, if you were to start again, like... Can I start again? Yeah, can you start? Let's all just start again. Never. What would you, <laughs> what, you know, what would be, I mean... Let, let, I don't know, like a couple of things or three things, maybe like because I'm sure I could probably give you a list of as long as my arm. That's a podcast yeah. in itself. Yeah, yeah. Probably, yeah. Oh my God, where do you start? Um, for the general athlete, uh, I guess don't try to progress too quickly. I've certainly made that my st- mistake myself. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, even now, like what four four years into this, I recently I've gone back into just push ups and added weight to it. Stuck good 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 tempo and. I did just a phase of push-ups with weight, so like overloading. Yeah. Came back, tried my planche. Hadn't trained the planche in six months. Was my best planche that I've ever done. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And just just because I was like focusing on overloading horizontal push. Mm, yeah. So don't neglect the basics: push-ups, dips, pull-ups, rows. Whatever stage you are in your training, they're valuable. They're so so valuable. And then especially like, yeah, but they're valuable. And the next point would be quality over quantity. So. Um, oftentimes you'll see people do like you know, 20 reps of push-ups and like oh push-ups too easy let's move on so this mm-hmm. comes down to the moving on thing okay now you go back do push-ups do it with a nice decent tempo um, add some weight to it overload the movement um, maybe add a little bit of complexity maybe start doing a one-on stuff but yeah like basics basics done well will get 90% of people 90% of the results they want to get yeah. I think a lot Great of point. we've um talked about this before when people like what what should what should, you know, get a lot of questions like what should i do like they want to know exactly the thing they want to do and um you touched on it nicely where um you're talking about if you're training um like there you're training your push-ups and then like because the, the planches are similar it's a pushing movement and it's mm-hmm. like that like we've, as long as we're making sure we're hitting like vertical and horizontal planes of motion in pushing and pulling Mm-hmm. As long as you know the thing that you want to work on, you don't necessarily have to do all these different things. Because people, I want to, like you said, I want to learn this, I want to learn this, I want to learn this, I want to this. I've got to train all those different things. Whereas actually going something, you know, if you're doing a, a horizontal pull, it's going to help your front lever, for example. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, if you're doing vertical push-in, um, it's going to help with your handstand push-ups. But you don't, might not necessarily actually do full handstand push-ups all the time. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a skill and a strength component to, mm. to all of these, and like you can, the strength is is much more. The skill is where the specific adaptation comes in. That's where you need to really train this that skill. But the strength is very transferable. Yeah. So you can definitely do things generally. Yeah, and I think people just knowing knowing what like what is it that you're trying. If you know what you're trying to work on, then you can start to try and piece it together a little bit more effectively for yourself. I mean, if it was me, I'd be like, just do basic movements, get really strong, push up, pull up, 
uh, like vertical push, whether that's dip or handstand push up, barrier correction. Do that for six months, get really strong, then try to do some skills and see how strong you are already. Yeah. Like it would be compared to like doing a few months, doing a couple of months of like semi sort of playing with it, then jumping into some skill stuff, like you'll be so much better just for taking that time to build up that base level of strength. Yeah, because it can be quite easy at the beginning just to jump around lots of different things, can't it? I mean, I, I, like for me personally, I, I didn't take the time. I started trying to train planche and I trained planche only by training planche. Yeah. And like, yeah, that kind of makes sense. But actually, I had lacked and I, because my planche became my horizontal push, I had neglected that pattern. So, going back to push-ups, the reason it gave me such good strength yeah. progression is that I'd already trained planche a lot. I'd kind of got that skill, that understanding of it down, but I just didn't have the raw strength there yeah, to yeah. perform it. Yeah, yeah, we get that a lot. People say to us, like, why can't I do this movement? And we just say, the, the harsh reality is you're just not strong enough. And yeah. in, in sport, from a conditioning perspective, we would always look at a lot of sports, because there's no substitute for speed. Fast players are hard to compete against. Mm-hmm. And I think in calisthenics, it's strength. Like the, the patterning and skill side of stuff, it adds like you say it's it's part of the process but ultimately for especially when you're looking for progression just being stronger that's going to be the fundamental thing which is going to move you forward it's such an important part yeah yeah you can have all the if you've you can have the right connection and and the skill work or we call sort of like movement patterning being able to create the right shape but if you're not hold strong enough to hold that shape or move in and out of that shape Mm -hmm. then it then it then it doesn't really matter but we need both those two things like we talk about like two pillars like movement and strength and needing those Um, i think the hard bit is just to finish that jacko is um when people come into calisthenics there's so much sexy stuff to play with like yes, there's so, so much <laughs> fun to be had that it's almost that's almost the addictive bit and it's still like people say oh, what's your favorite session and for me it's generally those where i'm just kind of messing about um and you have to contrast and when we first started one of our biggest mistakes is we go in the gym together we like say we've got an hour session we'd be like let's warm up some hand balancing and then 45 minutes in we're still messing about with it we're actually getting worse because we're nearly now pretty fatigued and we've yeah, yeah. overloaded that pattern and we're going, and we've literally got then 10 minutes to get strong and we're wondering why it was a, a, sometimes we weren't moving in the direction we but wanted we did to. have some fun yeah we had, well, and that's the thing like if that's what you enjoy then that's cool. I think that's a, a great option like you know if you've got a 60 minute session really you can get a really solid strength session done in 30 minutes yeah spend the other 30 minutes having fun playing around yeah. experimenting doing different things there's no harm in that at all yeah, yeah. And i think people should need to just be accountable to that and actually like sort of set a clock on that and, and because yeah. it can become quite addictive and i definitely think <laughs> yeah. you're right with like you don't need to be doing 90 minutes of pull-ups like you can overload that movement pattern you can create enough fatigue to create an adaptation get out of the gym go and recover and then come hit it again another day also, if you're going to do 90 minutes of pull-ups, like how long is that going to take you to recover? <laughs> yeah, and what's your short going to be like? <laughs> I'd probably do 10 minutes and then come back two days later and do another session. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. I, just to clarify that, I, w- I have never done and don't recommend 90 <laughs> minutes of pull-ups. Well, this actually brings into my, my sort of last question was, um, we get a lot of uh, times people, they go, they want to get started in something, so it might be like they're going to go, oh yeah, handstands, so I'm not going to do handstands every day and I'll, I'll keep your data in my progress. Or I'm going to do push-ups, you know, 100 push-ups every day. And so the, or the, these things where it's about doing stuff every day, my answer is always like, or my first alarm bell is like, when are you resting? Like, when, when have you got rest in your program to allow some adaptation to get, take place? Like, people don't seem to really, you don't get stronger during the session. You get stronger and get better once you've allowed your body to actually mm-hmm. adapt. Um, so just any thoughts uh, from you on, on, on rest and recovery and just to give some context, like what would your, what would then a typical week for you look like in your own training and where does rest and recovery sit within that? 
Okay, sure. It's uh, a good question. Oh, do, you, do you get that as well, where people go, I'm going to do it every day? Yeah, and it really annoys me. <laughs> it's different It's different with handstands. Handstands are different. Like, uh, It's much less impactful than, than traditional training. You can get away with doing it daily. Um, I wouldn't recommend it for beginners because you're going to start going from putting no pressure on your wrist yeah. to putting all your pressure on your wrist. And you get a lot of every people day. That, that you must get the same. Like a lot of people go, oh, my wrist is sore because I've been doing an hour of handstands every day. But there's, and there's a difference between doing ten bits of a little bit of like an easier sort of hand balancing regression to doing yeah. like a full hour session of handstands every day. And as you said, it's addictive. You can get uh, yeah. a little carried away. So it's like my hands hurt when I do handstands. I'm like, stop doing handstands for a bit. <laughs> yeah generally fix the problem um yeah i mean rest and recovery you're absolutely right so so important and i think it's probably when people say i'm not getting enough progress in the gym i'm not getting the progress i want i'm like try do less hmm. do half the amount you're currently doing and then see how the progress is and and it's the same especially for people who can't gain muscle i find they're just doing too much they don't actually allow the muscle to then rebuild they're just breaking it down to the point that it's just destroyed and they can't feel their arms and then there's no chance for that recovery unless you're doing like either taking steroids um but i think this is like just a a myth kind of perpetuated by bodybuilding um generally speaking um i would play it first of all by muscle fatigue like how sore do you feel after a session being sore isn't necessarily the best sign i don't feel sore anymore simply because i've trained for like five years so it takes a lot to get sore but it doesn't mean that i'm not fatigued um, generally speaking central nervous system fatigue is like two days after muscle fatigue goes away something like that so you know you've got to consider that adaptation um and what i personally love is heart rate variability and that's something i've used for again like three years now um every single day you wake up you take your heart rate variability which basically measures the difference between um how your heart rate varies as you breathe in your heart rate goes up as you breathe out your heart rate goes out based on some of those numbers i'm not exactly sure of the science yeah. it'll a lot of apps will give you a score or like a, a readiness reading and then based on that you can kind of tell the balance between your parasympathetic that rest and digest and your sympathetic active yeah. nervous system and that's a really good way to tell if you're recovered like if you've done four heavy days in a row and your nervous system is shot then probably give that session a missed and give yourself a couple of days to catch up yeah Great my personal training is like um upper body lower body i uh, I know full body's got some benefits in terms of frequency, but I find that it's hard to get enough good work in, especially if you're time restricted. So I'd rather split that up over more sessions. I just do two a week heavy strength training um, for both. I don't actually do that much heavy strength training for lower body, mostly what mobility work. What do you look like, Tom? Kind of, as I said earlier, actually currently, currently this is a, another thing. I'm, I'm doing a bit more like weighted work yeah. simply because um, one of my other points that I was going to say for beginners is don't neglect neglect lower back conditioning because that's actually huge it's not something that's not built into calisthenics training in general and there's quite a bit of evidence that show that lower back strength training combined with normal strength training will give better results than just strength training alone um and personally it's something that i've neglected for a little bit so that's why i'm adding in weight stuff but usually it would be um like i mentioned earlier doing some bulgarian split squats doing some cossack squats basically a weighted leg movement that's also going to require range of motion so i'm getting a bit of mobility at the same time um i'll finish off with a little bit of core and then i'll probably do some loaded mobility work and that's like twice a week um upper body sessions again they're both limited to about an hour um maybe a little bit longer if there's a warm-up involved and yeah i do two heavy sessions for strength for both and then i'll do handstand work 
four days a week ish heavy for your low body stuff Tom just you so you're doing split squats and stuff are you using weights and dumbbells barbells for those yeah, yeah. if you want strong like as much as I love bodyweight training at the end of the day if you want strong legs you need to use weight like you're not gonna ever reach the the most capacity that you can unless you're loading up like pistol squats are great shrimp squats are great but it's they're not the same as doing heavy squats when it comes to we talked about earlier like be sensible use the most bang for your buck exercises if you're pushed for time like doing squats is gonna outweigh pretty much anything you can do body weight wise yeah yeah so you do two two upper body sessions two lower body sessions and then four handstand sessions yeah so uh usually that would be two on uh body days and then two elsewhere in the week um and yeah i mean handstand sessions they were 60 minutes in length so they were sort of done separately Mm, as well as but that you know Bit, probably a little bit too much I'm, I'm slowly paying for that one so I'm having to like cut back a bit and you know yeah, we all do it to ourselves don't we it's, yeah it's a hard thing to, to resist mate that's been awesome like, this is actually the first podcast that we've done with somebody else we've really sort of got into detail of, of, of training and um, the reps and sets and some of that sort of stuff so there's a ton of value so we really appreciate you um, dropping right. some knowledge for us and sharing that with our community which is amazing Great, Seth. Yeah, thank you so much, uh, Tom, for coming on the podcast. Um, and I think some some huge takeaways for for everybody out there that are working on their body weight training, their calisthenics training. That I hope they can they can take and implement some of those things straight away. Um, particularly for anybody that's really tall, um, you just demyth that um, what is actually possible for a tall and um, still and, working on that one. Yeah, well, and and <laughs> potentially heavy athlete, like you know. Um, I'm about 85 myself and you said you're like 88, 90 kilos like yeah. in, in body weight and calisthenics, gymnastics type stuff. Um, oh yeah, the gymnast sign you were 60 kilos. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, is. It wet is. through. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tim, yeah, Tim, I consider Tim to be an absolute lightweight yeah. but he's still like what, 76 74. Kilo. Oh, you've dropped yeah, a bit. Right. But, um, but yeah, it, demything that for, for people um, and I really love how that can challenge um, people's mindset, you know, and, and hearing things like when the flexibility you couldn't touch your toes when you started like that for me it, it, it just changes our mind and the first stage of changing for for all of us in trying to improve on things is believing and actually taking account of okay i need to i need to take that idea that i'm telling myself i can't you know do a pancake or i can't touch my toes because i'm just like that we're actually hearing people's stories like yours you know genuine stories like that um i think is really powerful in getting people to make that first step which is done in the mind and then mm. after that we can get they they can put it into place in the body um where to, um so people if they want if they want to find out a little bit more about you tom um where's the best place uh, you want to direct people to and we'll put the links in the um in the show notes Sure thing. Uh, probably if you're looking for information, then I guess YouTube is probably the best place. I upload a couple of videos a week, generally speaking, a tutorial and a, a blog sharing whatever I'm up to. So uh, just Bodyweight Warrior, or just type in my name, Tom Merrick, it'll, it'll pop straight up there. There's a bunch of flexibility routines and tutorials and things to get stuck into. And then just generally speaking, for like up-to-date training stuff, I'm on Instagram at the Bodyweight Warrior. That's kind of where I post stories about day-to-day stuff and whatever I'm up to, really. Awesome. Yeah, we'll put those links in the show notes for people. Thanks cool. very much. Mate, thanks for your time. Really appreciate it. Um, so until next time. Class dismissed. 
We hope you've enjoyed this week's uh, School of Card Science podcast playground session. If you have enjoyed it, and we would really appreciate it if you would head over to iTunes or whatever platform you're enjoying this on and give us a five-star review. We realise there is one to four, but really it's only about the five stars. Mm -hmm. And that helps people to find us and we get to share this information with others. We hopefully can help them to redefine their impossible. Yeah, it's totally not about just trying to help our build us some confidence. No, (laughs) we're not at all insecure. So until next week, class dismissed.